You're listening to the Tenuto Podcast presented by me, Kevin Lynch. Here we go! Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Tenuto Podcast. This is a snow day edition of the Tenuto Podcast. That's right, we had a snow day out here in Stafford County, so... um. No school. I figured might as well produce the podcast on the Tuesday today instead of I typically produce it on the Monday. So that's why this one's out a little bit later. But we got a special episode. This is probably going to be one of the longest episodes we've done so far. Because first off, we had a great interview by one of my great friends, Kemper David Lake III, first year choir director at Dixon Smith Middle School. He teaches in my county. And we became really, really good friends this year. So it was really cool to hear the awesome things he's doing in his classroom. And I understand that a lot of college kids listen to this podcast. And this is really the time that you guys are going to start applying for jobs if you haven't started already. So Kemper really, really went into detail about, um, you know, the interview process and what it's like um, out there when you're applying for jobs things that you can do to make yourself stand out. So this is a big inter- this is a big interview especially for kids who were about to go out and apply for jobs, get interviews. Good things are coming. And then we also Kemper talks a lot about these listening listening activities that he does in his classroom. Really cool stuff. He's trying to improve their musical vocabulary and I think honestly we we all can improve our musical vocabularies. So be sure to check that out. And then my two best friends from college, Nathan Zeke, he's the first guest on the show, and Keith McFarland, he's an English teacher in Altoona. Um, They're very, very intelligent sports-talking men, and it's the NCAA tournament. You know, if if you want to promote collaboration and, and talking with other teachers in your school... This is the best time of the year to start an an NCAA tournament bracket with all the teachers in your school. You know, get your name out there, be the tournament guy, and we're going to make you sound smart. And we're going to make you sound real intelligent, have real intelligent conversations. So please listen to that. That's going to be after the interview. Um, But here, first off, we have Kemper David Lake. First year teacher teaching at Dixon Smith Middle School. Here we are. Alright, I'm sitting here with Kemper Lake the third. Kemper David Lake the third. Kemper David Lake the third. First year teacher at Dixon Smith Middle School. He's a choir director. Glad to have you on the show, Kemper. Glad to be here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Um so we have a lot of college listeners on the mm-hmm. podcast. Can you talk to me a little bit about your interview process and kind of how you ended up at Dixon Smith? So the way I went about finding jobs, and I, I was not, I was very much not the first person in my cohort to get a job, mm-hmm. but I would say that I was on the earlier end, and I was probably, you know, I, I was one of the people who my parents kind of nagged me every day about, you know, yeah. have you got a job yet? So I, <laughs> I was a little bit more on it than I think some people. Um, and the way I went about the process was I pulled up, I knew I wanted to teach in Virginia. So I pulled up a, and I'm not from Virginia, just for background. So I don't necessarily have like hometown connections okay. or anything. Yeah, because no, you went to JMU. Went to JMU. And you're from South Carolina. From South Carolina. So why did you want to stay in Virginia? Um, well, my, my thought was, you know, I just really enjoyed Virginia. I liked, I liked the area. I liked the culture. And, Mm -hmm. you know, since that I was licensed to teach there. So in my mind, that was one less, one less Mm -hmm. barrier to worry about. You know, I, I figured that was one less thing I didn't want to have to worry about my first year. Um, and that was where, is where my connections are, you know, from a college perspective and, you know, JMU alumni are mostly in Virginia. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, I, and you know, it seemed like a fair, a, pl- a state that, you know, relatively cared about t- their teachers and yeah. paid them relatively well. <laughs> so I thought, why not? Um, so, yeah. Um, but, you know, I need, like, the, I, I bring that up to say that, you know, I didn't have, like, 
I didn't have any like hometown connections or, you know, I, I didn't have anything other than my college experience, you know, as far as Virginia goes. So what I did was I literally just pulled up a, I went on Google images and I pulled up Virginia counties map and I went one by one to every <laughs> single county. I typed in, you know, Fairfax County public schools, you know, uh, Richmond County public schools, Stafford County yeah. public schools. I Googled every single county, every <laughs> single county. I went on their webpage, I looked under jobs, and I looked under listings. Most, and I, I found out this <laughs> later, that turns out most places don't actually post the jobs until like, you know, June. Like a lot of them don't right. post them till yeah, later. Yeah. So I kept looking, I kept thinking like, I'm never going to find a job. Like right. no one's posted a job yet. Turns out they just do it, unless they know that they're going to retire. Like unless it's like a retiring teacher, they probably don't know about it. Um, and so at the time of when I was looking... Stafford County was one of the only places that actually did have a job already listed. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, up on my list. And I had a friend of mine a couple years older than me. Um, she Once she graduated JMU, she went and taught at Stafford. And I knew two or three people from Stafford. And they all seemed to, you know, they were all, they all seemed to enjoy it, relatively speaking, yeah. from what I could tell. So mm -hmm. it, it sounded like a, a cool place to be. Um, and so I, I submitted my application for that. And I, I contacted my friend who worked in Stafford. And I was like, hey, just wanted to let you know, like, I'm, I'm applying to this area and I'm applying to this job specifically. Um, you know, and like, you know, can you just, I don't know, like, what, do you, what can you tell me about the area and all that stuff? And so she talked to me and she said, also, just so you know, there's actually, I think, going to be another job opening up, you know, in about a week or two. You know, I'll, I'll keep you updated, but mm -hmm. there's going to be another, I think there's going to be another middle school opening and, and you were like pretty set on middle school I was yeah I, I student taught uh, elementary and middle and mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I thought I was better at elementary mm -hmm. but I thought I liked middle school better um and so I thought I would go for that okay. um but I wasn't I was I was open to doing either you know I was but I, I my preference was middle um and so and then and she told me um that the person who was leaving was another JMU alumni. And so then, you know, a week or so later, I get a text from the guy who used to be the teacher that, you know, used to be the choir teacher at the school that I'm at. And he said, hey, Kemper, uh, you know, this is Mike. Um, you know, Jessica told me that you were interested in working in Stafford. I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I am planning on leaving. I have not officially turned in my, you know, leave slip, but I'm planning on doing that, you know, within about a week. Um, and I wanted to, you know, contact you to see if you wanted to, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, I, I know somewhat about you just from talking to Jessica and, you know, I know that you're a JMU graduate. So, you know, he had, the, you know, this is one of those times where, you know, whenever colleges say like, oh, you know, um, networking matters and yeah. having alumni and I, I, in my <laughs> mind, I always thought like, whatever, like that's not really going to help me that much. <laughs> and it was literally the reason I got my job. So, so you didn't even know this guy. I had met him once we wow. had, we had met like once. And then I think we had seen each other a second time, but we had only met once. Where did it you, was, did you meet at like a conference? He, he actually came back for a rehearsal one day. I guess he had okay. a day off. He was already teaching at that point and he came back to watch a rehearsal and it was a small men's ensemble of about 12 people. So we all, mm -hmm. you know, got a chance to talk to him. And so I guess he had met me and, you know, I'm sure he asked our mutual friend a few questions, you yeah. know, but I'm, before he reached out, um, and he said, you know, I'd love to call you and talk to you about the position, you know, just to gauge your interest and, you know, give you a little more, you know, info about it. And, you know, this was for Dixon Smith Middle School. So this is the school that I'm currently at. And we called and we talked for about, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And he talked to me about, you know, the school demographic, the location. We talked about Stafford just as a place to live. We talked about the principal, the school building, the facilities, the concert schedule, the you know, kind of techniques he used and, you know, just all, all the kind of things that would factor into it. Um, and it, it was just, it, it was a conversation that I left feeling very good about yeah. the position, you know, and it, it was very, and he, one thing that really sold me on the position, you know, if I were to get it was that he, he very much said, I, he said, I'm leaving to go to grad school, but I care a lot about this program. And he said, you know, I don't want it to, you know, go down. He said, I've put my heart into it the last three years and I'd love to see it continue to succeed. And so he said, he's like, I want to be a resource for you yeah. um, going into this. And he said, I want to be there. You know, if you have any questions, I want to be just a text or a call away. And, and he really has been. 
and that's been a, a and that's been an incre- incredibly helpful source. So you, going you still into like it. collaborate with him even though he's mm-hmm. not there anymore? Yeah, I, I've called him you know a couple times throughout the year just whenever I have questions, and it was especially helpful for stuff like when it came to the first concert, you know, and mm-hmm. and I I kind of follow the idea of you know don't reinvent the wheel, you know, if it was yeah. working last year, it's probably going to work this year. So I said. What did y'all do last year? Let me just copy you exactly. You yeah. know, make adjustments as needed, but you know, let me basically follow the format you did. Um, you know, and it was very helpful to get his, you know, take on, you know, how did running an after school rehearsal at that school work? You know, because it, it varies. You know, my my school is one where kids don't really hang out a ton after school. You know, like within thirty minutes, they're all gone. Yeah, you know, like there's not yeah. a lot of, and most of them ride the bus. So that's another thing just to consider is that. Not a lot. Of, most of my students don't have as much flexibility in terms of having their parents pick them up for like after school rehearsals and stuff. So that that can be, you know, a limiting thing and that, you know, I know that my kids can't really get there for before or after school rehearsals all the time because they're on the bus and they're on the bus's schedule. And so that's it was just something that, you know, I needed to consider. But so that was really cool to have him um, be that resource. And he also said, you know, after we talked about it, he said, you know, so if you're interested, like, I will for sure put your name in for this position, you know, at the principal. And I think two days later, I got a call from HR saying, hey, we would like to interview you for this school. And I had already put in my application to the county. Uh, It was for a different position, but it was, you know, but then... um, They already had all your information. They had all my information, so all it was was just adding me on. Um, And then when it actually came time for the interview... You know, I put on my nice suit, uh, <laughs> showed up at the interview, and um, it, it, it went pretty well. Yeah. You know, I think I was in, I was interviewed by the principal and the, the principal and the arts supervisor for the county, and oh, I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of the questions they asked me. I don't think I kept them. Have you ever gotten like, if you were an animal, what would you be? <laughs> those questions really can throw you for a loop <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think i got that question in that interview yeah but i think i did i have gotten that question in like separate interviews before yeah. where they just throw those like nonsense just, questions yeah. at you and you're just in such this like business mindset you know trying right. to right. think professionally and then they throw that at you and you're like oh god like i'm supposed to teach creativity <laughs> and i can't even answer a hypothetical question um so those those questions frustrate me i guess like you know, I would say it's, I, I guess one thing that I, I benefited from was just being more prepared than not, you know, and, and one thing I, I brought, like, I brought these kind of little, like, resume, like, not just like, it was like a, it was like a little folder, but it was like a nicer folder, um, and it had, like, my resume, my cover letter, like, references, it had a copy of my philosophy of music education, it had a copy of, like, one of my best lessons plans I'd ever written, yeah. and then it had a copy of, like, a unit plan that I had done before, um, and I made, like, I brought, like, two copies with me, you know, one for them to look at, one for me to look at, and I, and I, I left one for them to keep as well, mm-hmm. and I think that was something that I've been told, like, you know, it, it give them one to keep, like, it's not necessary, but if you think it's if you think that what you have is worth them seeing again, like, you know, give one to them, give yeah. them to one yeah. say, you know, this is for you to keep. And I, I remember even when I gave it to her, I remember her saying like, Oh, like she was kind of like, Oh, wow, that's very nice. You yeah. Know? So I think that was good. Um, there were definitely some questions on, you know, with chorus specifically, I, I know there was one question on like talking about the changing male voice, you know, talking mm. about middle school voices. So were these, were you interviewed by the principal or the choir director? Principal and the arts administrator. Uh, okay. The choir director, I, he came in and spoke to me right before, mm-hmm. you know, like he said, hey man, just wanted to check in, you know, good luck and all that. And then after, after the interview, I think he showed me around the school for, you know, a couple minutes because cool. um, I had a, few, a little bit of time to spare. Yeah. Um, I think one of the hardest questions I got asked at a separate job, at a job, uh, interview for a separate teaching position was there was a principal, I was being interviewed by the principal of that school. And so this is a different interview now. Okay. And, um, you know, we were going through the normal questions, you know, that you can think of, you know, what, you know, what, what are your ideas for repertoire yeah, and units and stuff like that yeah. you, you know yeah, you know typical sure, day sure. in the classroom stuff like that um but then there was you know and he he asked me like a classroom management question and i i gave him an answer and you know but he asked a question two more and then he asked me <laughs> another question about classroom management and i was like 
oh, okay, well, and I gave him I, <laughs> an answer that was probably basically exactly the same, but I was just like, how can I word this differently so that it impresses him more? Um, and then he asked me another question, too, and then he says, I'm just going to come right out and say it. He said, we have behavior issues at this, class, at this school. He said, we have behavior issues here, and I need to know how are you going to do it. He said, I need you to tell me what are you going to do when there is behavior problems in your classroom? And I'm going to be honest, like, I, I, I did not give a good answer there. That was, that was even, even by the, he had to ask me three times because the first two, he was just clearly like not satisfied yeah. with my answer. And by the third, I was just like, oh my God, like, this is so embarrassing. And I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I was giving him like theories behind it, you know, like more like big picture stuff, like positive affirmation and, you know, uh-huh. all that stuff. But I, I wasn't giving him very specific, I would do this and then I would call them out and then I would do this and this and this. Like right. I didn't right. have... I didn't have like a bag of tools yet, so to speak, you know, and that's, and it's tough to get a bag of tools like that before you're actually like in the situation. Like exactly. You have to deal with it. Like student teaching, I'm sure you get a little bit of it, yeah. but you can, I feel like it's dis- different to discipline like your own kids rather than to discipline like the kids that you had during student teaching. Very different. And you know, even with student teaching, like I, I was fortunate that like, honestly, I didn't teach that kids that were very misbehaving and so like I, I kind of lucked out there like there yeah, weren't that many yeah there really weren't that many behavior issues and then of the one of the behavior issues that there were I would say the you know my cooperating teachers probably handled half of those so then that left half of an already small amount for me to deal <laughs> with so it was not like I you know I, I did not get a ton of practice at it so that that was probably the hardest thing I got was when you know when they ask you by, for the third time to give an answer, like you, you know that you need to step your game up. And I was just like, I think the interview went well overall, but I was like that part, I think I probably did not even by the third time satisfy his answer, but it was just kind of a, you know, and then at my, at, but at the, at the Dixon Smith interview, I, I don't even know if I got a question on classroom. I mean, yeah. I maybe got one classroom management question yeah. and then they left it at that. And so that's something where, you know, keeping in mind, um, your school, you know, like, like this, the demographic of your school can, you know, help greatly change how, um, they're going to ask how they're going to ask. And and that does bring up one other thing that I think going back to the prepared aspect of it is that like, I think the night before my interview, I was in the hotel I was staying at and I was just like Googling, I was looking at every, every link on the Stafford County page. Like I found like the strategic five-year plan I still, I work for Stafford County and I still don't even really know what that is, but I knew what it was in my interview just because I wanted to bring it up to show that like I had, whether or not it was relevant to the job, whether or not I needed to know, I wanted to show them that I had put in the time and the effort to know what I was talking, you know, to know that I knew about the school I was working at, you know. I I love to like reference things from their website, just like things like that, like say them in the interview and they were like, oh wow. It just, you know, it, it goes a long way to show that like, you want to be there that you you put in the time and you know and with Dixon Smith I was fortunate enough to talk with the choir director at length to where I could provide examples you know I knew that at Dixon Smith there's a lot of military families and so I could talk Mm -hmm. about you know how that can affect student enrollment with a lot of kids you know moving in and out which has turned out to be very true you know now that I'm there but then also kind of like you know appealing to the the parents of the students and knowing that, you know, have maybe a veterans day concert might be a big thing. Hasn't been, you know, has not turned out to be like a thing that they do. But at the time I was like, at the very least, like it, it's, I think worth enough bringing up, yeah. um, you know, and then at the other school that I was interviewing at, you know, there was one where a teacher was retiring. And so I knew that there it was talking about, you know, taking, it was talking about the transition of a teacher who had been there for a while as opposed to a teacher that had been there for two or three years. And that's something that knowing a little bit about the teacher, if you can find out about the teacher who was there before you, I think it, it is important to, again, show, you know, to show that you've invested time into finding out about the school, but also it can help you talk about, you can kind of come up with a plan for what you're going to do because transitioning as a new, you know, transitioning from an old teacher to a new teacher has been a very big part of this year. And that, that I think something is that, you know, it can go a long way to know, to know whose shoes you're stepping into. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. And now you've, you've got your position. So mm-hmm. you only had two interviews, right? Yeah. And you, you ended up going to Dixon Smith. Yeah. 
tell me what your favorite thing has been that you're doing in the classroom now at Dixon Smith yeah. with your choirs. What are you doing? So one of my favorite things that I do, um, and it's it's has nothing to do with choir, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I I'm really into listening activities, you know, and because that's something that for me, like like just a big a big thing for me is their ability to listen to song, like not only to, not only to have like a good ear musically, you know, to know when something's flat or sharp or, you know, how to sing in heart, you know, like there's there's having a good musical ear, but then there's also the being just like a critical listener side. And that for me is kind of the, that for me, that's where the lifelong musicianship kind of it, part of side of it comes into it, you know, and then, you know, music educators talk a lot about, you know, instilling lifelong musicianship in your students and... You know, one one reality that you got to face, especially with a middle school class, you know, their middle school is very much like the, you know, just try it out for a year, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and yeah. that that really they might love. I had I had a student this year who she said, I like choir. She dropped my class and she said, I really like chorus, but I just want to try something else. You know, and that's that's just, you know, middle school is very it's much the, the time that they try, yeah. you know, and they they might not know anything about it and try it and hate it or they might love it, but just want to try. So, you know, it's. There's no guarantee. There's there's significantly less guarantee, I would say, in middle school than in college or high school of them maybe continuing on with, you know, singing or whatever class you teach, especially in, you know, kind of the elective field and in the arts. Um, and so my thought, but my thought was, you know, so of the students that I teach, not all of them are going to continue to sing. And that's just the reality of it. And that's okay. It's not going to be for all of them. But I can guarantee you that every single one of them will be listening to music for the rest of their life. Like, there's not a student, there's not a person who doesn't continually listen to music and that it's not a part of their daily life. And so for me, you know, one thing that always frustrates me when I talk to people about music is when they, they can't articulate how they feel about a song. And, and not to say that, like, everyone should have an extent, not, it shouldn't be a requirement for people to have an extensive knowledge of, like, theory to be able to listen and appreciate music and you know, when I say they can't articulate it, I don't mean that they don't know what they, they know what they want to say, but I, they don't have the, I think a lot of people don't have the vocabulary to like properly express yeah. what they do and don't like about a song. And that's not any one person's fault. Again, this is, I don't mean to say that as like a judgment, more as like a, it is my goal in life to make people have a vocabulary to describe music because my biggest pet peeve, one of my biggest pet peeves is when you hear people talk about music and then you say, oh, what did you like about it? And this especially happens in like rap and hip hop where I get why it happened, but it's still frustrating when you say, what did you like about it? They said, oh yeah, it just had a really good beat. Good beat. I'm like, did it, <laughs> did it really? Was the beat really, like, did you like the metronome at, you know, 96? Did you like the 4-4 pattern? Like, was that really, like, was that really what you liked about uh -huh. it? Did you really like the beat? Mm -hmm. Or did you like the accompanying music? You know, did you like right. the repeating, yeah. you know, phrases in there? Did you like the harmony that was mm -hmm. in the background? Maybe you did like the literal beat that the drum was playing, but I think you're referring to more than just, yes. you know, that. Yeah. And yeah. that's something where, again, they know what they like. They just don't know how they to describe it. it. They don't have yeah. that vocabulary. And so that was something that was big for me. And I'm going to uh, reference and give a shout out to um, the first middle school classroom that I observed um, when I was going through college. And I was, you know, starting to observe classrooms. It was Janet Hostetter at Pence Middle School. She's no longer there. She's now a doctoral student at James Madison University. Okay. But she, um, she was the middle school teacher there. And I just got sent to her for like just an observation, not even teaching, just observing. And that was like the first time I think I'd ever considered, that was the first time I ever considered teaching middle school because she was just such a phenomenal teacher and she did it so well and she did it in such a fun way. And she wasn't even teaching a chorus class. She was teaching a general music and ORF class, you know, which is still something that, you know, I'm not currently teaching, but it could have been very likely that had it could have been in my job. Yeah. Um, and so I was observing that, and the first thing she did with her class was she had them, they came in, and then she put on a music video. And I, I don't know what the song was, but I think it was probably a jazz tune. I, I remember there being saxophones and trumpets and, you know, instruments that are typically in the jazz field. Yeah. So I assume it was something like that. And she had this list on the board of like nine or ten different elements of the song they were supposed to take notes on. 
and the kids all walked in. They sat down. They got all their paper. They they wrote down the nine things. And then as the song went, they went and they just took notes on it. You know, and they they had done it enough times that they you know at this point in the year they knew what to do. Um, and I mean, we're talking about you know they were they were taking notes on texture. I had never even learned what musical texture and was how until old were they? It, this was like seventh or eighth grade. You know, she was teaching, and she probably did it with her six. I mean, yeah. she probably, you know, and there, I had never heard of musical texture until I got right. to, um, until I got to college. And then, uh, I mean, she even talked about, I, I don't do it in my class. I very much copied this activity, and this is one of the things I'm going to talk about. But there was one, uh, help me out with the vocabulary word, when the music is meant to, like, represent something. Um, uh, symbolic. It's there's some word I feel bad. She she had it on hers, but I just I didn't see it. I didn't see it for me. I was like I'm not gonna put that in mine. Um, but you know they were taking notes Is on it like mel- a college word. It's like a college college vocabulary and like word. The middle school kids are and new. the middle schoolers knew. Yeah. Um, but you know they were to- taking notes on melody, harmony, the form, kind of like you know verse, choruses, yeah, things like that. Um, yeah. The yeah. texture, uh, the tempo, the dynamics the instrument you know like the different she calls them performing forces and that's the word i use in my class which is just you know so that because that that's inclusive of you know singing instruments and even just like body percussions or you know do they have the wind blowing in the background like is that meant to be a part of the song that might not be an instrument but is that intentional performing forces performing forces you know what is what are the things that are creating sound and they're taking notes on all these things and like they were they were getting them and i i loved this activity and i i saw this my sophomore year, and I remembered it till I got my job. And then before I started teaching, I emailed her. Have not spoken to her since then, but I emailed her <laughs> and I said, I watched your class like three years ago and I remembered you doing this. Can you please tell me how you did it? Yeah. And she's emailed me back and I've emailed her like two or three times and she's been incredibly helpful with just providing yeah. different strategies. I feel like um, one of your like biggest strengths is that like you use other people oh, in your life. Oh, like, absolutely. The guy who was before you at the school, I feel like a lot of people could have easily just like written that guy off mm-hmm. and like just not talk to him. But you're talking to him about like your concert. Oh yeah. And you're talking to this lady that you met once three years ago. That's, yeah. That's really cool. I am not actually that good at anything. I'm just good at making friends with people and people <laughs> feel comfortable telling me how they do things. Yeah. All I am is the combination of good <laughs> things I found from other people. Um, but that's, and we, we can talk about that later because I genuinely do consider that a strength I have in teaching. Um, yeah. But so this activity, so I've been doing it with my classes and I, and this is where I haven't even shown them a chorus, like a choral song with this activity. Like I don't even, when it, when I do this, I, I try to make these listening activities because I have another one that I'll talk about in a minute um, where I try to make, this is where I try to make it extremely relevant to them you know and i don't i don't necessarily pick like with this activity i don't pick you know the top hits on the radio but i try to pick i'll pick like let's see i'm trying to think of one i did like i did like um devil went down to georgia by the charlie daniels band yeah which is like a popular song but they wouldn't know it Mm -hmm. you know so there's that or i did uh, another artist kishibashi uh he's a really cool kind of like pop alternative rock artist but he's like a lead singer violin player i mean just i i try to pick things that are you know things that they would find accessible and things that they they would enjoy but that they haven't heard of like i i intentionally try to find things that they don't know and i try to find things that use a lot of instruments too um one great group and i'll I'll do this is a great example. so there's a group called walk off the earth and i've done like two or three songs by them with this activity because they do covers of pop songs like very 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 popular songs but they'll use like boom whackers they'll use spoons uh in this recent yeah, I've one seen, like music videos with them yeah that kind of stuff yeah and that's, that's and cool. i and i always try to find a live vi- version or right. at least a music right. video that shows all the instruments because a big thing is like you know middle schoolers especially in a course classroom you know they don't know the difference between a guitar and a bass guitar they don't know the difference between a cello and a violin. You know, yeah. they don't they don't quite know those things. That's not necessarily something that they have learned yet. Um, and even if they learned it in elementary school, they probably forgot it, you know. And so, <laughs> um, but this group, I mean, they do they do all sorts of things and they use all all kinds of instruments. So that this activity is one, look, giving them the vocabulary for it, but then also like trying to expose them to what more can be out there. 
you know, and the possibilities of what the music can be. And so this is kind of like um, vocabulary and also just trying to expand, you know, still keeping it very accessible to them, still stuff that is things that I, I genuinely think they would enjoy, but hopefully something they haven't heard. Yeah. And, you know, we always will review it after and like, you know, we'll watch the video will you know and then i'll be like all right you know suzy q what'd you get for performing forces you know john smith what'd you get for this you know and we'll go through it and review and you know no kid ever gets everything you know and mm -hmm. it's, it's even when i'm making the lesson a lot of times i'll have to listen to the song two or three times to get everything like it's right. a tough assignment yeah i don't expect them to get it all but they'll get something yes and then we'll review everything and then i will have them listen to it again and i originally didn't do that because I thought, oh, well, taking the notes on it was enough. But then I thought, well, really, I think for it to sink in, got to listen to it, one listen more time. To it again. Yeah. And that way they can like watch that. it again now that everything has been revealed. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so that's something that I do. And I, I, I really enjoy that. Um, and then there's another version that I do and where another listening activity. And this is where I always try to pick a song that is very popular. Like I try to pick a song that they definitely know. Because what I'll do is it's like a comparative um, listening activity. So the first one I ever did, and I think it was one of the better ones I did, I picked Adele's Hello, okay. and we watched the original music video. So I always show the original first, and then I find two covers that are very different. Um, and one of them was Walk Off the Earth doing Hello, and they turn it from like this really sad song into like a funny. Like most of my kids were laughing the entire video because really? they're they're literally in their garage. They're using boom whackers. They're guys they like break, boom whackers. They're like break dancing. There's two guys that are like break dancing or like tap dancing. I mean, it's it's a silly video. Yeah. It is a sad song that they make into a silly video, and like they loved it. Like they thought it was so funny. And then the next one, I d and then the third version of it was uh, by a group called Third Story, which does just. They, you know, usually it's just guitar and three guys singing, but they just do wonderful, wonderful vocal harmonies. I mean, just incredible vocal harmonies. And especially for um, the guys that I teach, um, you know, it's good for them because these guys predominantly sing in the treble range. You know, they, they have, you know, one of the guys is singing, you know, a full-blown kind of mezzo-soprano-y kind of range. You know, I mean, a lot, a lot of times they're singing in, you know, what's a typically a female range. And right. then every now and then, and then they have like the one baritone, but largely speaking, they're singing high, which I just think is a cool thing for the guys to see that, you know, oh, it's, it's okay to sing high. Like it's cool to sing high. And, yeah. and, and then also I like to, you know, still throw out some vocal things in there. And, and so, but the purpose of this activity, and I have them take a couple notes on it. Uh, the front page is like, it lists each video and it lists room for notes. And they're just supposed to take notes on, you know, some of the performing forces they heard, you know, I list a couple, like, you could take notes on performing forces, dynamics, anything you heard, and then also just, like, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? And you do that for each piece? For each video, yeah. Okay. They watch all three videos in order, um, and then on the back side, and then they turn over to the back, and I say, all right, 10 minutes, no talking, and they just write, and I, the, I have four questions, and uh, I'm trying to, the first one is, like, comparing the, the performing forces in it, because I try to pick ones... The purpose of this is to show a song that they know and then show what it could be. And that doesn't mean that it's better or worse. You know, and a lot, you know, and I talk about these covers are not inherently better. You might like them better or you might not. Mm -hmm. But this, this whole activity is about developing your taste in music, but also exposing you to the possibilities of what a song could be. And just understanding that these songs, these are number one hits, but they could possibly, you could take it other places, you know, you could do more with it and just seeing the range of possibilities, you know, a song is not, a song does not always have to be played exactly the way it was originally written and performed and, you know, and, and I think that's good for them to hear. And so that's the first one is talk about the different performing forces and I try to pick ones that have different things. Um, and then there's, mm, I'm blanking on the second, but then Blanking on the second question. Okay. Um, and then, but then I ask, which song was your favorite and which song was your least favorite? You know, and I, and there's no right or wrong answer and, uh -huh. you know, but they have to say why, you know, and some of them will just write the first one and then they don't get credit for that answer, you know, cause yeah. I, I want, you, you want them to explain it so they can develop that musical vocabulary. Going back to vocabulary yeah. and, and, you know, again, and this is where I, I, I want them to have an opinion and I have my opinions on which of those covers is better, but I, you know, and, and a lot of them will, I've had multiple kids write. I liked the, the original was my favorite because 
I think that that's the way it was supposed to be written. You know, that's the way that the per you know, which yeah. is a pretty, I think, kind of a deep thought for a middle school thinker to go, you know what? The person who wrote this meant it to be performed this way. So I think that's the way that it is best. You know, and I'm like, that's a perfectly valid opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But then other people are like, I like, you know, the the acapella cover because I love the vocal harmonies that they do. Or, you know, I love how they really slow down the tempo and it really makes it, it, it brings out a new emotion in the song. You know, and so that's where there's, there's no right or wrong answer to it exactly. as long as you can explain why. Um, and I bet you get a lot of, like, really... Something I've found through teaching middle school is that, like, these kids, their answers are sometimes, like, something that I've never even thought of. Mm -hmm. Like, the, the way they think, like, you, middle schoolers have pretty active minds. Yeah. They're pretty intelligent. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of them are, there's a couple that have really, really good yeah. ideas. It's really cool. Yeah. And that, yeah, and I've, I've found that this activity is, I, I've, I enjoy doing it with them, and, you know, not all of them love it. But I don't think any of them hate it. Yeah. Um, you know, they're definitely the downside for the the second activity is that you know you essentially listen to the same song three times, which you know, and I, I try to get them to be different enough, but at the end of the day, it's the same song. Uh, <laughs> you know, so that I could get knocked a few points for being kind of boring, maybe, but I don't think three is too many times. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I try to you know, this is where I'm not trying to expose them to new songs. I'm trying to expose them to how songs that they already know could be different for better or for worse they could be different and like how the range of possibilities that can exist for a song right. even after it's made right and it's also not a bad sub plan so i've also <laughs> i've left it as a sub plan it's a it's a pretty decent one it's easy for us you know for a non-music sub just leave them the links to the three youtube videos yeah and print out set. the worksheets it's as long as you've done it with them once they're going to know how to do it again and the questions are all you know the teacher when it says which one's your favorite, you know, they don't need the teacher's help to answer that, you know. So it's right. it's it's a pretty good sub plan, I think. But it's also fun to do with them, so yeah. Dude, we've been friends for like almost pretty much the entire school year. Yep. And every time I come hang out with you, like we're always we're always showing each other new music and you're showing me choral stuff and I know that you're really passionate about music and it's really cool to talk to you about how passionate you are about music. What, what made you want to teach music in the first place? Like, when did you know you wanted to teach music? Or what made you decide that? So, I, I started singing. I, I was actually very, I was very privileged growing up musically in that my parents, I was forced to take piano lessons as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, and both my sisters. So was like, I. Like, yeah. me and my sisters, we were all forced to take piano lessons. I hated piano lessons when I was a kid. Yeah. So it, it wasn't was my decision. It was, you know, it, it wound up on, you know, and I, I took, I took piano lessons from, you know, the, the stereotypical, she wasn't that old at the time, but the stereotype of like the, the lady up the street, you know, I mean, she, she was a, you know, she had a music degree, she was a professional teacher, but I wasn't going to like a college or even a, like, I would just go over to her home, you know, right. and she'd give me lessons and, you know, and, and it, <laughs> and it was funny because at the time, like she, I don't know what it was, but she spoiled me rotten. I don't, I don't know what it was, but she, she would bring me like Reese cups, oh. like, and like she would have juice for me. Like, and nice. there were, there were a lot of lessons where I would just talk to her. Uh -huh. Like she turned into like my best friend, you know, she yeah. became like one of my best friends and like every week, like there were, there were, I mean, legitimately several weeks where I did not play and I just <laughs> talked to her for 30 minutes. And my mom told me like a year ago, she said, you know, I was talking with Mistati, and there were times where she would come out and she'd say, you know, Nan, he, he didn't really play today. We just talked. So, you know, if you don't want, you don't need to pay me for it. And then, she, and my mom said, Mistati, I'd pay just for him to have someone to talk to. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, so like <laughs> my parents knew I wasn't even playing at it half the time, but they just appreciated that I had someone to talk to, you yeah. know? So, um, but either way it was still, you know, I mean, she taught me a lot and it was just, you know, learning all that stuff when I was in elementary school, you know, being able to take, you know, private lessons once a week you know, like the, those scales, like I never, you know, the scales stayed with me for the rest of my life. And, you know, now all the white key scales are just, you know, muscle memory and, right. you know, being able to read music, you know, I mean, I, I just, I, I could, even if I couldn't necessarily sight read, I knew the notes, you know, right. and all the, a lot of those basic, the kinesthetic feeling of, you know, playing piano, like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an amazing piano player, but I think because I learned at such an early age, I have the ability to learn most song like I can learn things if you give me time. 
Right. You know, I might not be able to learn it quickly, but if you give me time, like, I'm not bad at piano. I just need time. Do you accompany yourself? No. No. No, and that we, we can talk about that as well, because that's, <laughs> that's a very interesting point um, for teaching. Uh, but back to it. So, and I was able to do that. I actually tried in elementary school, uh, you know, you do elementary, you do elementary school, general music, and then for my school, starting in fourth grade, no, fifth grade, starting in fifth grade, we could either do band, chorus, or orchestra. And I actually went to band. And I first thing I tried was the saxophone, last chair. I mean, I was god-awful. I was just terrible. I was I legitimately the second to last chair. Second yeah. to last chair, not good. I didn't enjoy it. Next year, I tried baritone. Ooh. Better. Okay. I was I was still kind of I on the... I can see you being a good baritone I was player. on, like, the yeah. back row. You All know, right. I wasn't in the front. I was not the best, <laughs> but I wasn't the worst. You know, and I... But then... And then legitimately, the reason I stopped playing baritone, because uh, next year I went to middle school, I stopped playing baritone because I didn't want to have to carry the case around. It was so big. And I didn't know that they provided instrument lockers. And I was like, people, I was like, it's middle school. Kids are just going to kick my instrument in the hallway. <laughs> like, they're going to steal it. Like, they're going to make fun of me for carrying around this instrument. Like, I was like legitimately worried about what a middle schooler would be worried about with carrying a big instrument case around. So I stopped. Um, mm -hmm. And then... I, and I played bass guitar, um, I, I, my friend asked me to be in a band one day, and he's like, you can play bass, right? And I was like, I can figure it out. And so, <laughs> and that was how I started playing bass guitar, and that's something that I just did for fun, you know, and I would just play with my friends sometimes, and I still pick it up every now and then, um, but by no means is that my, like, predominant thing. And then, yeah, cut to ninth grade, um... I had spoken with my advisor about like, you know, okay, so you need to take these credits to graduate high school. You need one year's worth of fine arts credits. You know, do you like music? And I was like, yeah, I like music. She's like, play any instruments? I was like, yeah, play some instruments. But, you know, it's been a couple of years. She said, well, you know, chorus, you don't have to audition for it. It doesn't matter if you haven't played, you know, you don't have to have been playing since sixth grade or anything. You can just, you can sign up and take it. And I was like, yeah, why not? And I, I legitimately, I took chorus to fulfill a fine arts credit. No other reason, just to fulfill a fine arts credit, and I, I had a fabulous middle school chorus teacher, and it was just, I loved it. I mean, I loved the class, I had a lot of friends in it, um, and it was just a great time, and you know, I thought we really did make some good music, and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I remember at the end of my ninth grade year, I was about to go into high school, and I can't, went up, my teacher said, Miss Cunningham, like, I know I'm only going to be, you know, the lowest grade at high school, but I, I'd like to be in the honors choir, like, do you think there's any way I could do that she said I'll talk to the director and I was able to be in like the honors choir you know 10th 11th and 12th and then 11th grade I would join the show choir so I was in the show choir for 11th and 12th grade and then senior no junior year I was take I took AP music theory so my junior year I had three classes a day with my course because the course teacher taught so AP you're theory. basically in there all the I time. took three classes a day <laughs> and we went to every class every day so I saw him for three hours every yeah. day and it was and my high school course teacher is one of my favorite people on earth. I mean, yeah. he's just, he's, he's fat. He's a fabulous teacher, fabulous musician, and just a funny guy, you know? And he was, you know, I, I still think back to like the theory class was fun because it was only nine of us. Yeah. And so it was one of those cool classes where you can really get to know each other and know the teacher and get to know the teacher's personality. Yeah. And you know, there were, you know, he was a big jazz musician. And I remember one day he always talked to us about Lyle Mays. Lyle Mays was his like, favorite jazz musician he actually took piano lessons from lyle mays which is a pretty big deal if you know anything about jazz piano um and i remember one day he had just like a lot of work to do and he said hey y'all we're we're just gonna have a lyle mays day and he he just put on lyle mays over the speaker he did work at his desk <laughs> we all sat around and talked and every now and then he'd be like hey y'all listen up listen to this theme listen you can hear the theme being repeated he's like that's a sequence okay and then, like, you know, he just, like, and we did that, I think, maybe twice. You know, it wasn't, we didn't do it often, but it was yeah. just, those, those little moments, I think, you know, so, like, I remember that class more than I remember most of them. Because mm -hmm. that just stuck out to me, and I, you know, I, I learned about a new musician that I didn't really know anything about. And, and I, you can talk about him all, like, exactly, all day. You yeah. know, and it's just, like, that, that was a cool thing. Um, but, yeah, and I, I, I just loved um, chorus in middle and high school. And then... I originally, so I knew I wanted to do music in college, um, but I thought I wanted to do music industry. I toured some colleges, realized it wasn't for me, did a little soul searching and thought, you know, well, this has really meant a lot to me. And 
you know, when I started taking chorus, like my grades in every class improved, better, you know, like yeah. I, I became a better student. I became a better person, yeah. you know, and I was able to see noticeable effects on how it affected me as a person. I thought, well, you know, like this might be pretty cool to do for some other people. And so I said, I think I'm going to do music education. Uh, and that led me to JMU and which is how I got here today. Man, crazy. I talk hey, a lot. I'm sorry. Feel this free has to. Been a, this has been a great interview. Feel free to edit out most <laughs> things I say. I ramble. No, man. This is awesome. Thank you. Um, the last thing that we have is called rapid fire, mm. where I'm just gonna ask you a bunch of questions. Okay. And you just have to say the first thing that comes to your head. Okay. You ready? Yeah. All right. What's your dream car? You know, I gotta say, I'm living the dream right now. I drive a, <laughs> I drive a Toyota Prius, and it has racing stripes on it. And most people might not get that, but honestly, I'm living the dream. I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, favorite book. <laughs> favorite book. Um, it's a tie between Into the Wild by John Krakauer, oh, if I'm saying book. that right, yeah. and A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. Oh, so Bill you're Bryson's big. my favorite writer. So okay. that book might win out in a sense. So yeah. you're big woods guy. Big I like wilderness. Nature. Yeah, I like to think I enjoy it. I don't do it as much as I, you know. I like to think I'm a wilderness person. I'm not, but I like yeah. to think I am. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's see. Dream vacation. Dream vacation. Oh man. Ah, uh, probably. You know, I I'd say I'd probably have to go to Egypt because Egypt. when I was a kid, my favorite movies were The Mummy. I loved The Mummy. Absolutely loved it. I even asked my hairdresser to cut my hair like O'Connell, the lead character. And I just walked in and said, I want my hair to look like O'Connell. Like, just assuming she would know what I'm talking about. She didn't, because why would she know the lead character in the movie The Mummy without me even saying the actor's name? Um, but I was fascinated by Egypt, and I thought everything about it was cool. And I think it's yeah. just something that, like, I'm not as into it as I used to be, but I think it'd be cool to kind of fulfill that, like, childhood dream of going yeah. to Egypt. Yeah, man, that is cool. Oh. Uh yeah, you also want free cruise. I feel like we need to just throw that out there. A lot, there's a lot of scams out there about free cruises, so I was a little skeptical when you told me. But. No, this one's legit. This one's legit. So I, it's not going to Egypt, but I, I will be getting to go somewhere pretty cool. That's awesome. Okay. Um, any quotes you live your life by? Oh, man. Oh, man. Give me... So my favorite quote, I'm probably going to butcher it, and I don't remember who said it, but it's... Um, I'm pulling up my Facebook because I... I'm a nerd that keeps my favorite quotes on Facebook. Um, but there's the one where it's like, uh, the true meaning of life is to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. And that's, that's a quote that has meant a lot to me throughout my life and has been like a big inspiration for me. And especially um, through college, that was a very big theme, you know, and kind of, you know, I've always, I've always tried to be a service-driven person. Not always am, but I, I've, I've tried. Um, and that, that's one that I think I, I try to think about a lot. Okay, here are the other ones. Um, this is by Joseph James at the 9-11 Memorial. There was never a thought of race, creed, color, or gender. I just hope that once all this is passed, that is not forgotten. And I think that was just really cool because it showed that like in this traumatic experience, everything went away. Yeah. And all that mattered was the common goal they had. Next one. Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. That was by Margaret Mead. I saw that in my AP Environmental Science textbook. Never forgotten it. I just thought it was really cool. Um, <laughs> next one. If we thought of life as a gift, we might not demand nearly as much from it. And if we lived more graciously, giving of ourselves more freely to the well-being of others, many of our personal concerns would disappear and life would become easier for all. And that's just, I think, you know, talking about... It's just like a perspective on life, how you should live it and how you should treat others. And then I'll give one more, one more um, short one. If you want to build a ship, then don't draw up men to gather wood, give orders, and divide the work. Rather, teach them to yearn for the far and endless sea. And that is like a big teaching one for me because I think that's really cool that like that's talking about, you know, you don't, you don't just give orders, tell them to do these things, but you teach them to want the goal that you have. Yeah. You know, and I, I, that, that one I think is a pretty cool one. I've, I've thought about that one a lot as kind of like it relates to teaching. Yeah, that's a big one for teaching. Sorry, I know that wasn't maybe the rapid fire that we had oh, a little bit, but you know, I had them on my phone. I was like, I might as well pull them out. Those all, those, even that one got Murph up out of her seat. <laughs> my cat's at this interview. <laughs> She's very into it. Murph the cat. Well, Kemper, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. I hope you have a good rest of your year at Dixon Smith. Well, thank you so much. 
All right, thank you again, Kemper. That was a great interview, and, and I really appreciated the time sitting down and talking with you. Now, the last segment of the show, we're going to do something a little bit new, a little bit different. Me and my friends, uh, my two, they're basketball experts. These guys know everything there is to know about basketball, specifically the NCAA tournament. And I'm telling you right now, if you want to increase your communication with other teachers in the building, you have to do things to get them involved. And one of those things that you can do right now is start an NCAA tournament bracket. Now you're probably saying, Kevin, I don't know, I don't know anything about March Madness, NCAA tournament, whatever. Listen, that's why we are here to help. Me, Nathan, and Keith are here to give you everything you need to know. It's simple stuff. This is basically, we listen to a podcast where they do The Bachelor for guys that don't watch The Bachelor. This is the NCAA tournament for teachers that do not watch basketball. are here with two of the best teacher athletes probably in the world. We got... Keith McFarland and Nathan Zeke are hey. our fantasy experts for the NCAA tournament. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. Yeah, this is Nathan's second time, just so you guys know. And Keith's first. Both teachers teaching in PA. Doing good things out there. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, what do you guys think about this NCAA tournament this year? Yeah, man. Um, this this tournament to me is an absolute mess. It is. I've been just staring at the ceiling for the past twenty. Like anytime I've been laying in bed, I'm just freaking out. This is pretty much gauged towards teachers, and mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but most of the teachers at the schools I work at like don't know a ton about the NCAA tournament. So my hope is that they can have some intelligent conversations about responsible conversations yeah responsible (laughs) by listening to this to this podcast so uh let's give me give me your your favorites to win the tournament who's someone that people can talk about and they won't sound stupid i have ucla ucla yeah love it love i love mr ball love just (laughs) beat the ability to put the put the uh, other ball in the hoop score points love it Good offense. Uh, I'm right now. I'm riding Duke. Really, Duke is really hot. Um, they, I, I just feel like in the tournament, the best athletes step up. And wow. man, Tatum has looked so good. They got Allen and Kennard. Like they just have some great athletes all all across the board. I spent all morning watching Gonzaga videos, Ooh. like all morning. <laughs> And I'm pretty obsessed with their team, and I I pretty I have them going in my final four. Wow! Did you see the eight foot guy? Like, were you able to pick him out in the lineup? Yeah, yeah, he's huge. <laughs> that's, my, that's why I like him. They're, they've got that huge guy, eight feet he's tall, huge. and then they have that really good score. I I don't think I've, I haven't watched one of their games all year, but I just got a good feeling this year. Yeah. All right. Give me an upset, an upset team that's going to make it far. Uh, Key, I I have Oklahoma State. I feel like it, it, like wow. they're ranked ten, but you look at like their last twelve. They're eight and four. Um, they only allow seventy eight points on average per game, but they're scoring eighty five. I just I I like the ten spot. If if, if people are gonna quote make some noise, mm. it usually comes from the ten. Where you have them going? Uh, what looks to be the elite eight, and then losing to Kansas. But literally, if they if they beat Kansas, I wouldn't be surprised because of coaching. Wow. Okay. What about you, Nathan? I actually have um, the team they're going against in the first round making it pretty far. I have Michigan um, going all the way to the Elite Eight. <laughs> wow. Um, Dude, I watched I just a pretty inspiring Big Ten tournament that really I think the whole plane crash thing is I think I think that's a real 
Wait, what plane crash thing? The plane crash, man. The Michigan, like the entire Michigan team, got in a plane crash going to the Big Ten tournament, and what? it. Dude, I, I honestly don't know anything about this. This <laughs> <laughs> game of the Big Ten tournament and their practice jerseys. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just like ran through the Big Ten tournament then um, on this like fire that they were like meant to be there with the plane crash. They were just blessed. And then I think that's carrying over. Did they win the tournament? They, yeah. Wow. (laughs) Wow. All right. Well, I'm changing my picks right now. Some picks got to be changed here. Yeah. If if they win the big 10 in practice jerseys, imagine what they're going to do in their regular ones. My upset team is Wichita state. Oh, you got to ride with them, man. You know, they got a good coach. They've only lost four games this year, and I love Kentucky, but Kentucky beat them like two years ago. Remember that? Remember when Wichita oh, State yeah. was a one seed? And, yeah. And mm-hmm. that like, mm, that just, that scarred me. So, yeah. So you think time. that Wichita State's going to be Kentucky? Yes. Yes. That would, that would put Wichita into the 16, right? If, yeah, if I'm looking at this. UCLA. And yep. then wow. UCLA will be too much for them. They can't contain Absolutely. that offense. Yep. UCLA beats UNC, UCLA in the Final Four. Yes, agree, agree, agree. Dang. Yeah. He's got the pen moving right now. (laughs) I'm like hitting hitting these boxes as as we speak. (laughs) That's that's my biggest run for a 10 seed. But, okay, all right, let me get your Final Fours. Yeah, go first. All right, I got this. Um, I have Duke coming out of the East. I have all... Eight feet of Gonzaga coming out of the west. <laughs> um, I have UCLA coming out of the south, and then I have Kansas coming out of the Midwest. Ooh. Okay, and then national champion game. Um, I got Duke versus Kansas, and Duke taking down Kansas. Wow. All right. Score? Yeah. What's, what's your score? <laughs> uh, I I don't have the score in yet, but I, I'm. I'm probably going to be shooting around a 75-72, something like that. Oof. Yeah, high-scoring game. Duke, Duke scores a lot of points. That's what they say. <laughs> All right, Keith. Let's uh, I have Duke and Arizona coming out of east slash west, and then Kansas and UCLA coming out of Midwest slash south. So even though I pretty much said I didn't like Kansas – that much <laughs> they're in the four <laughs> because I have Oklahoma state making it all the way to the, uh, the eight. So at some point that 10 has to kind of actually play like a 10. Yeah. So we have that. We have those four and then the championship game, Arizona, which I, I couldn't name one player on that team or their coach <laughs> right now, but it's just, I don't know, like because of Grayson Allen being an absolute basket case, sometimes <laughs> maybe it will fall apart in the four who knows. And then uh, I have UCLA winning everything against Arizona, uh, 74-68. Dang. Right. Good, good choice. I'll give you my final four. It's, yeah, what's up? I got Duke out of the east. I've got Gonzaga out of the west. UCLA out of the south. And I have Oregon out what? of the midwest. It's like that wouldn't surprise me because, again, I have, no, I have no idea who's on Oregon or who coaches Oregon. Dude, all I Oregon, sort of like big injury, like yeah. a torn ACL. Joe like, already told me about that guy. Don't I know, just feel don't know anything that, about it. But I I live my life by this rule that like ooh, my I'm whole ready. like the whole year I've watched enough and done enough things of basketball related things that like I've been given the answers and I just have to figure them out, you know. So torn ACL guy's not important enough. <laughs> no. So I read this book by Phil Knight, and he's a big Oregon guy, so I think that's a sign. Might have to change around the Midwest a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got – I have Oregon beating UCLA because they know each other so well. It's just going to be a toss-up. And then I have Duke beating Gonzaga and Duke winning it all. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for doing this. I think we got some good things out there. Always hey, good. All right, and that is our show. This one was a little long, so if you made it all the way through, I appreciate it. It was a great episode, uh, and it was my birthday on Tuesday, so I thought we might as well make an hour. 
podcast this week. So I hope you guys have a great week. I know I got this out a little bit late, but I'm glad that you guys are still listening. I still appreciate it. The numbers are growing every week. So thank you for listening and sharing this. And uh, next week we have a very special guest from Missouri. So be sure to check that out. All right. We'll see you next week. Thank you.